tuned into you, listening for your voice, ready to follow your lead. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I just was rolling through my head, which obviously it was what the part of the song was, but, but we have a Savior. We have a Savior, and we need to get a hold of that. We have a Savior. And the Lord started dealing with me. Sin no longer defines us, the believer. We have a Savior. And, and, and this world doesn't define us. We have a Savior. Guys, the Methodist church doesn't define us. We have a Savior. The Red Cross does not define us. We have a Savior. What this world does does, does not define us. We have a Savior. And we look to Him. And I believe that's for somebody today. Uh, I believe that we struggle with what people think. We struggle with what the world says about us. We struggle about what our denominations doing, what the Salvation Army's doing, what our brothers and our daughters and our sons and, and the church is doing. But Jesus defines us. And who we are in Him is what defines us, and nothing else. Nothing else. Today I'm going to be reading from Romans 5:12, and I'll be going through 21. Really. Uh, this chapter is summed up in verse 12 and 18, and, and, or this passage of Scripture, it's, not, it's more than that, but, but, but you can read those two things and get the meaning of the whole Romans 5, really, probably the book. But it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. I was thinking about the, the, we can kind of understand there's a fear of the virus out there, the, the China virus that's going around and new ones are popping up and, and all this stuff and you, you, you feel that fear. But, but guys, uh, uh, sin has more potency than anything. And, and that sin spreads just as rapidly when it's not dealt with. But when we have a savior, it stops it. It stops it in its place. And we need to realize that today as we read this. For sin indeed, verse 13, was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. That's another sermon. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those sinning who was not like the transgressor of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many? We have a Savior. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one's trespass is brought, by, brought condemnation, 
But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if if because of one man's trespasses, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men and women, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men and women. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. We ought to be shouting for joy. That's the joy that we have. Verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespasses. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, these are your words, and Father, you say your word will not come back void. And so, Lord, I ask that you minister, that you get into our bone marrow, as the word says, and, 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 and Father, you do some digging in us today. And Father, we ask that, that, that we open our hearts, Lord, completely to you to get a hold of what you're trying to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I love to see how the, the after the praise team gets done and, and and Joel does his thing that how the Holy Spirit has brought us all together at the last minute, uh, uh, changed the first point to we need a Savior. Uh, we have a Savior, and we need a Savior. You see, Adam's sin and it spread through mankind like a virus, bringing death. Again, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of sin. So we all have sinned. All men, women have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. This sin brought death, Romans 5, 17 says. For if because one man's trespasses, trespasses, death reigned through that one man. So that's what the unbeliever has to look forward to is sin operating in their life, death operating in their life, eternal life without God, hell. A sinner will never be able to please God, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A sinner will never be able to please God. Man, we are in a bad state without a Savior, and we need a Savior. This world needs a Savior. Our family and friends need a Savior, and that should be on our, our, uh, the main thing on our plate is seeing that our lives are in right standing with God and the people we love, that their lives are in right standing with God and we're doing everything in our power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus to get people saved. Is it that big to us today? Do we get that sin spread through the whole world, that sin is in all lives and, and sin brings death? Hell, eternity without God. But as we read today, fear not because God loves you and and he sent a savior, a savior that we need. As Kathy read read from Luke 2, and the angel said to them, fear not. 
Are you afraid today? You shouldn't be afraid unless you're an unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever, you should be scared out of your socks. If you're a believer, you need to walk in holiness and, and, and fear and respect God. And, and I want to talk about that another day. But, but, uh, but fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will, will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ, the Lord. Quit blaming God. I sat in a meeting the other day and all they did was blame God and they were solid Christians. They blamed God for death in their life. They blamed God for sickness in their life. They blamed God for sin in their life. And it was their choice. These were believers walking around defeated and up to the point where I finally stepped up and said, God did not do this to you. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed. Jesus took care of everything. The believer, we should be walking in the victory, walking in the joy, not walking in death, sin, and sickness. We should be looking to our Savior in all things. Fear not. God loves you. Fear not. God is with us. Last week we talked about we have the opportunity to be regenerated. Regenerated means reborn, restored to a better, higher place, a holy state of righteousness. That's what God does for us if we would truly, truly confess Jesus as our Lord. Ask him into our heart. We'll be reborn, restored to a better, higher place, a holy state of righteousness. That brings us into point two, justification. Romans 5 and 8 says, Therefore, as one trespasses, or 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all, all men. Again, justification is the change in a person's condition. Moving from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. Regeneration has to do with the change of the believer's nature. Justification with the change of his standing before God. Regeneration is subjective based on personal feelings. Justification is objective, not influenced by personal feelings. Regeneration has to do with man's state. Justification with the standing before God. And that's from my Bible doctrines class in Bible college. But boy, that ought to make us think that, that, that this world is so unfair, but justification, it's not personable. God just does it no matter who you are. You're justified and made righteous when you're regenerated in Jesus. He doesn't go around and say, you can be saved, you can't be, you can, you can't be. We've been those that choose him have been justified into righteousness. He doesn't look on where you come from. He doesn't look on your, your family heritage. He doesn't look on the sins that you committed. I don't care if you committed one sin or a hundred. He treats you the same. 
two characteristics of justification. The first characteristic is the forgiveness of sin and the removal of guilt and punishment. Romans 8, 33 through 5 says, Who shall bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So nobody can bring charges against the believer because God has justified you. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So you can't be condemned. I can't condemn you to hell. I can't say you're going to hell because you didn't make me happy. I can't say that Jesus makes you righteous. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Or famine? No. Or nakedness? Or danger? Or the sword? We have been justified. The believer, the born-again believer. I don't want you to walk out here thinking everybody's born again because you have to choose to live for him. I want to give you guys an illustration that it's going to be hard to show you, but it's so powerful. And, and, and uh, Joe, I'm going to ask you to come up and help me if you can. I don't know if you got anything going on. And I don't know how. Uh, uh, do this with your children. I think it would really open up their eyes. I want you to hold that. Normally, you wouldn't show them the soap. Here, put that there. Oh, I'm sorry. I just lose control sometimes when people can't defend themselves. I'll never forget, but Pastor Aaron, I always used to give him a hard time. We'd be carrying boxes or stuff. I'd walk up and go, just, just torturing. But, but when you got your hands full, Joe says, I'll drop it, and, and there won't be any justification. <laughs> <laughs> the water here represents our life, and we all go through it, and we all got choices to make, and we just want to fill it up. That way you got a lot to get rid of. That's probably too much. You don't drink some of that? <laughs> Man, they're, they're for you more than me. I really did probably put too much in there. Let me have that. I hope that cup was clean. Okay. <laughs> Pepper uh, represents sin. And as Adam came into this world, sin came in. I'm getting it on the sides because I'm shaking, and that, that, it's not good to have it on the sides. But sin's in the world. And sin, we were born into sin, if you will. And that's why it talked about before Adam, before, the, or before Moses and the law, then after the law, that would that, preach. But again, because of time, you're not supposed to show the children that you put soap on your finger. And, but any soap works, and I've got too much there too, but bubbles. But, uh, but you just put soap on your finger like that. And again, they say don't show the children, but I think they need to see it because it represents the blood. Now, I don't know if you're going to be able to see this, but I'm going to put my finger, the blood, right smack in the middle of the sin. If you look, it's separated completely as far away from the blood as it could go. And, and again, you can't see that, but Joe, is there anything close to my finger? No. 
And the thing is, it stays away because of the blood. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no guilt for those that are in Christ Jesus because the blood covers us. And I want you to take that around and and show the people how that separated out. They may not have seen the whole illustration and you can take a peek at that and see that. Oh, you're wanting to do it on the camera. You've always been a Hollywood type guy. <laughs> He's not mic'd up, so he can't defend himself either. So, yeah, my own wife says we're for you, Joe. So, so uh, I got soap everywhere, and it's really greasy now. But we need to recognize that in our own life. We need to recognize that. The blood covers condemnation and guilt. And I'm going to really focus on that at the end of the service today. But I think we walk in condemnation and guilt too much. There's no reason for it. And the church, if you go back and study the church, the history of the church from the beginning, you can see the church even struggled with it. And got into pittance and you had to pay for forgiveness. You had to, to, to do these things. And I never should have done that. And I got it on my glasses. But, but uh, that blood just goes everywhere, doesn't it? But, but, uh, and I don't want to lick them or I have soap in my mouth. Which will remind me of my mother shaking her head when I said bad words or talk back when I was a kid. So, so this could be interesting. <laughs> so I get for giving you a hard time. <laughs> but guys, we put Jesus on the cross daily. And he forgives us and loves us and gives us citizenship in heaven. And we're going to talk about that later. But, but also before we leave this point, maybe, maybe we need to work on unforgiveness in our lives. We're to follow Jesus' example. And I'm going to show you guys another example after the second characteristic. But the second characteristic is the the, uh, imputation, uh, meaning action, of Christ's righteousness and restoration of God's favor. And we see that in the, the life of Abraham. In James 2, when he was talking about men of faith, and it said in the scripture, that it said, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. So when we have faith in God, we're not only getting forgiveness, but we're made righteousness and we're called a friend of God. And so there's no need for guilt to run around and, and oh, I messed up yesterday. I got to go walk in guilt for two days. Uh, I always felt like if I didn't pray every day before I got in the pulpit on Sunday, the sermon wouldn't be a good, as good. Uh, I always felt like I got to jump through these hoops to be able to do what God's called me to do when we just need to realize that we're a friend of God. To believe in our relationship with him and to believe that he not only forgave us, that he made us righteousness and righteousness causes us to be able to walk in sanctification and holiness and the power of the Holy Spirit to where we can do what God's called us to do. I want to make us realize today that justification means much more than acquittal. 
The repented sinner receives back his pardon and the full rights of citizenships. Citizenship, they are friends of God. And we need to realize that, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead regenerates us, justifies us, and when we die or when Jesus comes back, we are given a glorious body and we live eternal life. We are citizens of heaven. And that's what we need to be focusing on when, guys, I mess up and we seem to focus on the mess up when we need to focus on who we are in the Lord. And I'm not saying to make light of the mess up. We need to, not try, we need to try our best not to do it again. But we walk around in condemnation and guilt so much that, that we can't do what God's called us to do. We are citizens but I think this world is, it, it kind of makes us this way. But when we get a pardon or give a pardon or, or you go to jail because of a sin you committed in the United States, it is common practice that you for, forfeit, that felons forfeit their eligibility to vote. In some states, it's permanently. So if you commit a sin and, and, and you do something bad and you get put in jail in America, uh, you lose your voting rights. And if you watch the elections uh, last go around, you noticed how one party was trying to make it legal for those in prison to vote because they lost that right. Well, some states, when they leave prison, they still cannot really receive the full pardon they cannot really walk in full citizenship. Uh, dealing with a person right now that, that, that they've came from prison, but they've got to, so many hoops to jump through that they can't even make it to church yet. They've got so many things that they say they're pardoned of and that they're a citizen, but there's some things that they will, won't have and maybe never have again. Now, I'm not up here being political because I believe in the, our system. But with God, it's gone. When you're pardoned, it's gone. There's no, okay, you've been forgiven, Howard, but you can't vote. Because you didn't treat Marilyn as nice as Joel treats Heather. You know, it, it's, it's equal. Uh, when we've been pardoned, when we've been acquitted, we become citizens and we gain full access to the throne of God. We, we obtain full access to the Father, and He is our friend. And we need to recognize that today. Instead of walking around defeated when we mess up, we need to press into God. You know, when Paul kept saying that, that I battled with this, and I battled this thorn in my side, and, and there's three different ideas of what he battled, but whatever it was, the Lord never really completely delivered him of it, but Paul didn't say, oh man, God doesn't love me, I'm condemned, I'm defeated. He kept moving forward and said, his grace is sufficient for me. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. We need to recognize that. People quit jobs because they make a mistake. People quit the ministry because they make a mistake. People do lots of things because they made a mistake and they're born again believers and they need to ask for forgiveness, get regenerated, however you want to say it, walk in justification and continue in the calling that God's given you. 
God doesn't revoke his calling. Now, there may be consequences. I'm not arguing that. I'm wanting us to focus in on the citizenship and the justification today. I don't even, I want to go, my flesh wants to go into the next chapter of Romans. So should we just keep on sinning? No. No. But we need to realize that we're justified when we do. We need to recognize that Jesus is the son of God and he is our high priest. And we'll get into that in a minute. But Paul in, 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 in Philemon 18, it's just one chapter, so verse 18, Paul explains God's full pardon, I think, as a, in citizenship. It's just really a good example to the church. But, but it's an example of Christ's citizenship and pardon, but, but he's asking the church to do the th- same thing. Uh, Onimus, I think, is how you say the name. But if you read the whole chapter, he's sending, Paul is sending Onimus to this church. And he's supposed to go there to represent Paul. Apparently, something went on there. And, and, and Paul was worried that they would receive him. I don't know if it was a respect thing, that he was a child or whatever it was, but, but they had not received him. And, and maybe even pushed him away. But verse 17 says, and this is Paul speaking, so if you consider, my, consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. So if you would consider me your partner, receive him, Onimus, as you would receive me. And so we're seeing there that Paul's saying that, that I realize that you're not happy with this guy. I realize that maybe this went on, but... But Jesus has made him righteous. He's been justified, and so said you. And it goes on into, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. So we're seeing here that apparently Onanimous wronged people. Apparently he owed, owed some of them something because he spoke to that. And what did he say but charge it to my account? I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. So we see a glimpse of how Christ came into a life and changed a life and how Paul recognized that, that God regener- Jesus regenerated him and justified him. And Paul was acting in that same condition that Jesus was, and so should the church. And, and we could preach on that all day, and I wanted to chase this rabbit really hard. But we need to forgive like Christ forgave. Oh, but that pastor can't. Man, when he was a kid, did you know what he did? Oh, man, did you know what? Well, Howard's like, yeah, I know. Uh, what, what about later on in life? Did you realize here? Did, did, and we get to doing that. Man, that Jeremy, I don't know how Nicole puts up with him. And, and we get to doing that as a church. And we get to judging people and, and complaining about people. And we heap the, goal, the guilt and the condemnation on them. I think Christians speak more guilt and condemnation over people than they do life and more abundant life. 
And we need to be careful of that as a church. And, and I'm working on that as a pastor. But man, it, it, is it Daryl Dahlman? I always forget the guy's name that, that, that killed the people and was eating them. And, and I remember I was teaching youth and an article come out on how he received Christ. Nobody could forgive him. And I was telling you, you want it fair that God justifies you the same as he does me and the same justification, the righteousness that Christ has. But yet when a guy kills somebody and eats them and then the Holy Spirit works in his life, we can't accept it there. What if somebody hurt her child or child and did something bad to them? And they get saved. Could we forgive them? Could we see them as Christ sees them if, if, if they've wronged you? If they owe you, could you put it on Jesus' account? Well, we could spend some time there. But Jesus, point three, is our high priest. And we're not alone, we have a Savior. We are never alone. Hebrews 4.14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Did you get that? Hold fast your confession of salvation because you have a Savior. You have the Christ. Hold on to that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Again, Jesus justifies. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Are we putting this all together today? Or am I just talking up here? Because I've got too much to do to just to babble if nobody's going to listen. Our high priest continues to cover us in righteousness. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, again, he's talking to the believer. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Jesus doesn't want us to sin. He's not condoning sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. So we, have, we are children. And he's writing to us, hey guys, don't sin. Don't walk in sin. Don't let that pepper come around you. But if you do, plead the blood over it. And that sin will run away from you. An advocate is a person who argues for righteousness of another person in a court of law. Jesus is arguing on our behalf all the time. We are righteous. The believer, the born-again believer. The person we put on the cross argues and justifies our sins. And he claims us not guilty. And that's the title of the sermon today. Jesus is a propitiation for our sin. 
That means mercy seat. He takes it for us. He says, put it on my account. The actual uh, Webster defines it as the act of gaining or regaining the favor or goodwill of God. But he propitiates, appeases, and atoning sacrifice the blood for our righteousness. Our high priest will save us, Hebrews 7.25 says. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So guys, again, we need to be encouraged today. If the praise team wants to come forward today, we need to be encouraged that we have a Savior. Just as sin entered the world through Adam, it left for the born-again believer through the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, the whole scripture passage is summed up in verses or Romans 5, 12, and 18. But you're not guilty unless you're an unbeliever. You're an unbeliever here today. You need to be popping your hand up for salvation because sin has a hold of you. You'll never be able to please God with sin in your life and hell's your destiny. But if you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, Jesus justifies you and that sin blows away. It goes as far as the east is from the west. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but the, the, the born again, but you are a chosen race. We need to be focusing on that race instead of all the other races we're focusing on. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're a royal priesthood, and we're a holy nation, the believers, and we possess the kingdom of God, and we proclaim his excellence in our lives. That's why we don't want to sin. We're proclaiming the excellence of Christ, and we want to proclaim him well, and, he, and share the testimony that we're called out of darkness into marvelous light. The, the verse of the day is light will never, or darkness will never overcome light. If you do your you version. But we need to share with the world. That's why the, the nativity is so important. Not that it's a thing we did because since I've been born, that's just a religious thing we do every year. No, we do it because we're adventing the Christ and we're preaching the message of the Messiah and his excellence and the awesomeness of him on how he brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why we're ringing the bell. That's why we share a testimony. We, we should be bubbling and so excited about our position in God that we can't help but talk about it. And the benefits that we find in him, just some benefits because of justification Found in Romans 5, 1 through 11, if you go back and read the first part of the chapter that we didn't read today, Romans 5, 1 starts out, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Peace. How many need peace? Man, I hear it all the time. Pastor, I just need some peace. You got it. Go to him. The second thing I can find in there is grace, hope, assurance, perseverance. Can't read my writing, but, but, but I think I, the, I don't know what I wrote there. The Holy Spirit, salvation, salvation from wrath, reconciliation, eternal life, presence of Jesus, joy of the world. Man, we're completely pardoned. But we started out singing joy of the world. We need to be operating in the joy of the world. Amen. And the altar call today is that we stop walking in guilt. Quit walking in it. Guilt is the fact of having committed a specific or implied offense or crime. If you're a un- born-again believer, quit walking in guilt. If you sin, if you confess your sins to Christ, he's faithful and just to forgive us of your sins and deliver us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9, I believe. Stop walking in condemnation. Condemnation is the expression of very strong disapproval. Oh, God disapproves of me. Come on. Come on. I was dealing with a family the other day that loved their kids so much. And the world has convinced the kid that the family doesn't love them. And all I could say is, come on. That's so untrue. That's a lie of Satan. Man, God doesn't approve of me. If you're born again, you got it going on. You're made righteous. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You have the same rights, the same power, the the things that Christ operated in, you operate in. I don't hear many amens on that. I'm not saying we're Jesus, but he's in us and he moves through us. And the fruits of the spirit are in our spirit, ready for us to bring out love, joy, peace, patience. All these, these attributes of Christ are in there. Get rid of the condemnation. Get rid of the guilt. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are in there. Oh, oh, I just operate in this gift. The word says that Jesus would have you operate in all gifts at one time or another. He's going to give you the gift you need at the time to accomplish his kingdom goals. We got to quit walking in guilt and condemnation. And start remembering that we're born again believers And he died for us. So let's stand to our feet today. With every head bowed and eye closed. I just want to see if I'm hearing from the Lord today. So patronize me. Nobody looking around. Please don't look around. I want the full confidence of the people. I'm going to look around. But I'll be praying for you. But if you're walking in condemnation today, I want you to raise your hand up. Be honest with me. I see the hands. Anybody else? Several hands. Several hands. How many of us are walking around in guilt? Several hands. Several hands. You can put them down now. Oh, keep putting them up. You need to confess it to the Lord. I think that's great. Keep it. 
But after, once you put it up, you can put it down. Are you born again today? If you're not born again today, go ahead and put your heads down. But if, if you're not born again today, raise your hand up. And I want to be born again. Anybody, I want to be born again. I'm not born again. I see no hands in the room. So that means that everybody that raised their hands up have been justified by the blood. There is now no more condemnation for you. There is no more guilt for you. The blood covers you today. Now what I want you to do is come to these altars and give the guilt to him. And if you want me to pray up there, just stay up there a little longer and I'll come and pray with you. But I'm tired of guilt operating in my life and condemnation operating in my life. And I'm going to place it on the altar today. Even if you come up and just tap the altar and say, I leave it for you, Lord, and call it out to him. But it's under the blood. Father, move across this body and by your... And, the Holy Spirit, Lord, you've already healed him, but let him receive that healing. Let him accept that healing. Let him step out in their faith and, and, and touch you. And Father, remove the condemnation and the guilt in Jesus' name so that we can be the people you called us to be. I'm going to really get personal here, and I don't like doing that, but, but I made a blunder oh, a few months ago. And all week I was battling, and don't think the worst of me, it's not that big of a blunder, but, but it was bothering me. And the old devil was saying, boy, you can't preach Sunday morning. And you know, the old devil will even remind me of things while I'm preaching that maybe I'd been wrong to Karen. Or I may have said something I shouldn't have said. The devil will remind me while I'm preaching. Because he wants me to operate in condemnation and guilt so I don't speak what God wants me to speak. So I focus on the condemnation and guilt in my life instead of what God wants to speak through me. And I think that's the church. We've got to release the condemnation and the guilt and pray for deliverance like Paul did and seek the deliverance until it's completely given. But continue in the power and authority of God. And remember that you're a child of God today. Yeah. So please come to these altars today. Let's break these curses. Let's break these things that hang on us today. Move out of your chairs now. Praise team, go ahead and sing and, and, and bring us and continue in the presence of God. But run to these altars and, and grab a hold of your Savior today. And release the guilt and the condemnation and say, Lord, it's yours. By your stripes, I've been healed. I've been set free from guilt and condemnation. Father, I release these to you. I don't want them no more. I want to operate the way you called me to operate. In Jesus' name. I want to fulfill the calling of my life. And Lord, there's some that believe you've taken the calling away. I don't revoke that calling in the name of Jesus. God, that revoke means take away. He doesn't take it away. God called me at 12, and to be honest with you, I lived like the devil probably from 14 to 16 to 20. But that calling was still there. 
And when I repented and got my life back where it needed to be, that, 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 that just took over. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise team. Please sing.